Hello everyone, Tom Kislingbury here. I host the Read and React podcast along with Sticky Z. We talk about all aspects of leagues that use individual defensive players, including player value, projecting performance, training camp battles, scouting, and lots of statistics. IDP can be off-putting to those of you who haven't done it before, but it's really not that difficult. After all, even an Englishman can manage it, so you should be fine. So if you already play IDP, you're looking for a new fancy challenge, or if you just love football, come and give us a try. Cheers! listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan, over there is Matt. It's the first week of December, fellas. Playoffs right around the corner. Some of us are already in the playoffs, as like the kitchen sink leagues, they've kicked off already for a couple weeks. Uh, the rest of us are catching up, though, now. Traditional leagues, probably weeks 14, 15, and 16. So before we get started on the pod, guys, and Matt, I'll start with you. First of all, how'd your week go? Secondly, how's your teams looking going into the postseason? There, I mean, they're looking good. Up, ups and downs, you know. We all play in a bunch of leagues. Uh, I've got some that are a little bit underperforming, some that are probably overperforming, and some that are or have, have some nice buys coming up, so... Uh, a little bit of a mixed bag, but I think like I got eighty percent playoffs for for this season, so that's not too bad. Yeah, I'm just below that, right? About seventy six percent this year. Took the took the dive on a couple of teams mid season that were fringe playoff teams. Probably could have got one of the last couple spots. Went for the draft picks, the young players instead, and looking forward to next year. How about you, Ryan? How week thirteen treat you, and what are you looking forward to in your playoff runs? Uh, yeah, week, week 13 was pretty good overall. I, 10 of my leagues are actually already, uh, playoffs are already underway. You mentioned the kitchen sink leagues, also the hyperactive leagues that I run. So that's uh, 10 total leagues we've already started. So I'm actually in the playoffs and already out of the playoffs in a couple of those leagues, unfortunately. Uh, but I think I was in 15 dynasty leagues this year and made the playoffs in 14. The only one I didn't, Dan, was your league where I took over a, a really bad team. Uh, so that's, that's a work in progress, but other than that, pretty good. Yeah. And that's a salary cap format, which is relatively new to Ryan. So we're going to cut him a, a little bit of slack there. He'll be contending for a title in no time. So let's get to these week 13 matchups. I, I love Thanksgiving week guys, because there's so much football to watch and it started on Thanksgiving with three games. I had one of those games, fellas. I had the Bills and the Cowboys. And the guy I really wanted to talk about is Cole Beasley. He's he's like traditionally been a guy that most dynasty owners have overlooked. A uh, guy that over the last few seasons has been dropped during the offseason to make rookie draft picks. Uh, fringe roster worthy and, and kind of over overlooked by most when trying to build a roster in the offseason, but has gone to Buffalo now after leaving Dallas and has a he's had a pretty productive season. Um over the last seven weeks he's caught five touchdowns. Um so he's been 
He's been a wide receiver three over that stretch. Had a really nice game, the revenge game, that whole narrative at Dallas. Six catches, 110 yards, and that touchdown on Thanksgiving. Seven targets. But over his last handful of games, he's he's had pretty decent target numbers um, throughout the season. He's only been in double figures a couple of times, but lots of sixes, sevens, nines in, in that, in those target numbers. And he seems to translate that pretty, pretty regularly to between 50 and 80 yards this week. He finally got over that hundred yard plateau when he got to 110 in his big game. He's a pretty obvious sell at this point. Like I said, because, He's over overlooked by so many dynasty owners. I don't know if there's a lot of buyers out there, but at the end of the season, particularly for those that have owned him, maybe you're starting him in your flex right now and capitalizing on this little bit of value, a guy that you had as your wide receiver six or wide receiver seven, if this continues throughout the end of the season and perhaps even into the playoffs for the Bills, you might be able to get something for him. It seems like he's playing over his head to me. Maybe you guys can shine a little light. Maybe there's some long-term value here, but it seems to me that Cole Beasley, Matt, he's he's 30 years old. I know he's got this new contract with the Bills. He's expected to be there. If you can get anything for him this offseason, now's the time to get something, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe you're going to find somebody willing to give you a third-round pick or something, and you might as well get out. You know, at that point, if you're not using him in your lineup right now or don't have injuries as a, as a competing team, but I just don't, I don't, I don't think you're going to get too many people excited to come buying him. So I think you're going to have to do some work there. You're going to have to send out, you know, that that spam offer to your entire league trying to get something for him, uh, and still may get 11 rejections. You know, so uh, I, I'm okay with the idea of buying him, but I, I kind of think he's going to be more valuable to a competing team on your roster as a as a starter if you have to, uh, and, and a matchup kind of play rather than, than moving him for something. Uh, and like I said, unless you can just do that spam offer and get a third round pick or something, I, I don't think there's any way you're getting a second. Uh, so I think third round, third round pick is really all you can really expect here. Maybe a, a prospect that has done literally nothing this year, but I don't think you're going to get a whole lot for Beasley. That, that's kind of the tough spot we're in, Ryan. What are your thoughts? Is, is, because of that, because he has played at that wide receiver three type level, is he a, more of a hold than a sell then? I think you might be, and, and actually, you're you're uh, you're not giving him enough credit since the Bills' week six bye. He's actually the wide receiver fifteen in total points. So um, we've got some bye weeks in there. We've got some guys getting injured and, and missing games, and and he's just kind of been Mister Reliable. But I think what you what you said about him is really what's going against him. He's going his performances are going overlooked. You know, he's scoring 10, 12, 15 points a game, and most of us don't even know it. If you don't have him on your roster, you probably didn't even realize that he had has played so well uh, over the past, really over the past two months. Um, so because of that, it does hurt his trade value. Like Matt said, if you are going to try to sell him to a contender, to somebody who needs to plug that wide, re- wide receiver three or that flex spot, uh, you are going. You're going going to have to do some work, like Matt said. Somehow let them know that these numbers are there. Yeah, he's he's one of those veterans that that I was adding for free in the off season. So my thoughts were really because he has been that wide receiver three or wide receiver four on these rosters. If I could get something, I would. But looking over that depth chart and the players that are already in place in Buffalo 
it, it's really unlikely, I guess, that Cole Beasley at, at least isn't part of that offense going into 2020. Outside of John Brown, it's hard to really identify a wide receiver that's going to line up regularly in the in the starting lineup and and be on the field uh, for for Josh Allen in that offense. You know, we try to avoid those holds, but but maybe Cole Beasley is nothing more than a hold. If nothing else, we we've talked through it, I guess, guys. And he's a guy that we're definitely not dropping. Uh, to make draft picks this coming off season. I, I guarantee you no other show this week is opening with 10 minutes on Cole Beasley. Yeah, it was a it was a really riveting conversation, Matt. I'm going to go to Ryan now. Let's talk about another really riveting player for Dynasty owners. Ryan, you had the Bears and the Lions on Thursday. Who you got there? Yeah, this one kicked off the uh, the the slate on Thursday at at noon and I know my entire family was hanging out watching this and I wouldn't say that was the highlight of the weekend, but uh, we got the surprise start from the rookie David, uh, David Blau at quarterback and he, he performed really well. I mean, if I think we all saw that, that, that first pass, he just launched, uh, pulled back and launched to Kenny Galladay for the 75 yard touchdown. And, and that kind of got everyone's attention that, Certainly ended up being the highlight, but I thought he played well uh, throughout the game. Uh, the Lions must have felt pretty good about it. Even uh, you know their their season's going nowhere, but they send Jeff Driscoll to IR. They say Matt Stafford is still week to week, uh, and Blau ended up as the quarterback fourteen for the week. Uh, so this is certainly a guy we should be adding uh, to our teams in superflex leagues. I, I don't know that I would feel comfortable starting him in the playoffs, but at the very least. I want to keep him off other teams' rosters. Dan, that's what I did in uh, our league that that you and I share. Picked him up uh, just so nobody else could have him. And um, you, you never know. I mean, this at the very least, he could be a solid backup going forward. Yeah, you never know, indeed. Uh, one thing I noticed, he was willing to push the ball down the field, which is seems to be a staple in that Detroit offense right now. That seems to be something they really want to do. And Blau showed off some of that arm strength and and did look like he could push the ball down the field. Uh, tough matchup in week 14 in those playoff games at Minnesota. That doesn't look like a lot of fun. Not a lot of dynasty owners uh, have the guts to put David Blau in their lineup if he holds on to that starting job for another week, especially with their playoff uh, spot on the line. Let's move on, Matt, to the Eagles and the Dolphins. A little more uh, relevant player to talk about here. Yeah, I we, we I think we have to talk about Devontae Parker finally. I think you recommended him as a buy uh, a few shows ago, Dan, but he uh he outdid himself today. This is probably his best game in his career, seven catches, 159, two touchdowns, and he looked really good. That one uh kind of side sideline catch and run that he had was really impressive. Uh you know, really strong at the catch point. All these things that we know Devontae Parker could have been you know over the last four or five years but just never really materialized and all of a sudden Ryan Fitzpatrick is is unlocking him so uh my first instinct honestly you guys was to you know maybe it's time to think about selling we don't see too many of these late career breakouts you know we could think about Emmanuel Sanders he did it once he moved to Denver that kind of thing uh but 
I don't know. I still am not sure I'm ready to trust Parker, despite how good he looked on Sunday, mostly because of the direction of this organization. However, when I went to go look at the trade finder to see how, what he's going for, it's kind of all over the place. You know, a 2021 first, I would probably do that really for any, any first for Parker at this point. But then there was there's some other deals like two thirds. Like I would take I, w- I would buy Parker for two thirds. Sure. Why not? Hunter Renfro. I'll take Devontae Parker, uh, T.Y. Hilton for partner, Parker and a third. I'll go ahead and sell him for that. So his value just kind of seems all over the place, you guys. And so I kind of just wanted to bring him up to chat with you two about and see where you guys are at him because I want to sell, but it's only going to be for one of these these kind of uh, early second, late first kind of kind of deals, I think, uh, for me to move on from him at this point. What do you think, Dan? Well, I, you know, he's he's really an enigma in many leagues because he was – he was another guy that was an afterthought, a guy that you weren't depending on. Maybe you had him on a roster as a wide receiver six. Uh, and when he started these this consistent run of regular targets and big-time catch numbers, he was impossible to ignore. So, you know, in the, in the redraft community, there are a lot of people pointing at Devontae Parker and saying, this is the guy, you picked him up off the waiver wire, and he's going to help you to a title because you didn't invest anything into him, and he's putting up these wide receiver two numbers. Recently, wide receiver one numbers, uh, last three games for Devontae Parker, seven for 135, six for 91 on 11 targets, and seven for 159 and two touchdowns on 10 targets this past week. He's got the Jets on the road, the Giants on the road, and then Cincinnati down the stretch. If I still have a trade deadline, I can't trade Devontae Parker if I'm in it. Uh, if, If you're in one of those leagues where you can trade throughout the entire season, even if I'm the sixth seed in the playoffs, I'm riding the wave. I'm going to hold out. He might be the kind of guy that can can win you the league. I totally understand where you're coming from. And I've been a Devontae Parker fan for a long time. When he was coming out, I thought there was a chance he could have been the best wide receiver in that class. I'm not saying that's going to happen or anything, but he's certainly an asset to all of us as dynasty owners. He's a guy I want on my teams. Again, I, I kind of replicate what you think, Matt. If you're getting a first, it's going to be hard to pass up. Anything else, I'm probably riding Parker. Yeah, I agree. And, and Matt, you talked about it being his, his best game of his career. And from a fantasy standpoint, it was the, the best game of his career by a wide margin. His, his previous career high was 21.9 fantasy points. He scored 34.9 on Sunday. So uh, by far his best game. I think only his, I believe only his fourth game as a wide receiver one in his career. Uh, so that just goes back and uh, goes back to his struggles of his uh, first few seasons in the league. But uh, I mean, this is not a breakout player that that we've you know we've never heard of that has come out of nowhere. This is just a player like you talked about with Sanders that is just a potential later career breakout player and and they don't come along too often, but that doesn't mean we should uh, ignore this or or brush this aside. And if you, if you can buy, uh, well, Matt, the the prices you mentioned, like you said, were all over the place. So uh, I agree. Sell for a first for sure. But uh, yeah, beyond that, you you have to keep this guy. Uh, He is, uh, I believe he's an unrestricted free agent or or maybe the Dolphins have a team option on him. They have been locking up some of their players uh, lately who have been uh, playing well this season. So it's it's a cheap team option. And I expect them to to keep Parker in 2020. 
Yeah, to your point there, Ryan, he's a guy with pedigree. He's a guy a lot of dynasty owners were excited about. Tall and athletic, 6'3", 216, a first-round pick of the Dolphins back in 2015. They do have control over him for next season and just going to turn 27 in January. So a guy with some upside still. I don't know if they've unlocked the whole – uh, the whole potential, the full potential of Devonte Parker. It is a little bit troubling that it took journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick to kind of unlock this. If if it is Josh Rosen, if it is a rookie next year, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I can understand dynasty owners being leery. Of course, if you want to get out, by all means, you sure can. Uh, I I like that line. Maybe a high second. Or, or more, I, I might sell after that. I'm, I'm going to hold out and see what I can get uh, in, in my starting lineup out of Devontae Parker moving forward. I had the other Thursday night game, or the other Thursday game, I should say. That was the Saints and the Falcons. This was an interesting game to watch. Uh, kind of a blowout that turned into something a, a little bit not blowout-ish when, when the game came down to the nitty-gritty and down to crunch time. Uh, the guy I wanted to talk about here, I don't think we've talked about him since he's taken over for Mohamed Sanu. Uh, that's Russell Gage. He had five catches for 52 yards and caught that touchdown on Thanksgiving. Nine targets in the game. He has been very active since the Muhammad Sanu trade, guys. And it I, he's another guy that I'm not sure what you're going to get or if you can get anything for him. Maybe if you haven't reached your trade deadline going into the playoffs and you need that flex guy, uh, for this upcoming schedule, you might be able to grab him for real cheap and, uh, or, or excuse me, sell him, uh, but you're not going to get a whole lot. It's most likely going to be a third. Maybe you have to uh, throw something else in to even get anything done. I really wanted to bring him up just to chat about Ryan. Um, our feelings, he was a sixth round pick a year ago of the Falcons. Doesn't seem like a guy that's going to stick and, and give long-term value for dynasty owners. Does he? No, I don't think so. And I, I think you're really uh, you're really challenging our listeners here. We're, we're going to sell Russell Gage and we're going to sell Cole Beasley. Uh, these these are tough guys to move because you know they are just underappreciated, as we talked about with Beasley and and Gage has had a pretty solid uh, floor in these games since the Sanu trade uh, and and especially since the Hooper injury as well. Uh, but yeah, just I just don't know that there's any value there. Really, if you can just get anything uh, of of value for him, I would be moving him. Yeah, it seems like the way to go. Last two games, eight for seventy six on ten targets, five for fifty two, and a touchdown on Thanksgiving on nine targets. Matt, anything to add there? The only thing I would say is, you know, who else are they going to have to fill that slot role? You know, I know who he's probably capitalizing on Hooper being out, so you could you could say that. But Julio is, you know, clearly maybe not necessarily on the decline. Uh, Ridley is, ob- is obviously going to be there on the other outside place. They could draft one receiver in the, you know, highly in the in next season's draft. And, you know, maybe he replaces them, but you know, on the roster right now, there's not really anything there at that, that third spot. So uh, I guess if you, again, if you can get like anything of value, sure, move him. But I honestly, I don't mind holding him and seeing what happens. Yeah. He's, he's sharing time with Justin Hardy, you know, I'm not really sure if there's any future value there. I'm not sure if you can get anything. Uh, he's He's been a pleasant surprise if you picked him up off the waiver wire and needed to play him the last couple of weeks. I wouldn't expect that 
going forward, or or at least I I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be too excited to put him in my starting lineup going forward. Even even with this hot streak, he's got a game against San Francisco coming up. It it doesn't look as bright beyond uh, these past couple of weeks. Let's go to Ryan for the Jets and the Bengals, who got their first win. Yeah, I want to talk about Tyler Boyd, and and I think he is a buy. He's, he suffered through uh, the Ryan Finley era, as short as it was in Cincinnati. We saw Dalton, uh, Andy Dalton, back under center for Cincy on uh, on Sunday, and and that resulted in both a win and. Uh, much better stat line for Boyd and and really most of their players. Uh, Boyd ended up as the wide receiver 20 for the week. He caught five of 10 targets for 59 yards and a touchdown. I looked at his numbers with Dalton this season versus with Finley, and it was exactly what everybody would probably expect. Two and a half uh, fantasy points less uh, with Dalton out of the lineup, three and a half targets, uh, three and a half fewer targets with Ryan Finley in the game. So I just feel like, uh, this really the whole season, but especially the past month or so with Finley out there has, has just destroyed Boyd's value. He's been a major disappointment. He had, he had a couple games, uh, with, with one or zero catches and, and really just a frustrating player to start. And I think we can take advantage of that. A, A couple of the recent trades I saw were Boyd for Kenyon Drake, uh, even up and Boyd for a second rounder. So if if that's the price in your league, I would certainly be buying. He's another guy that I was highly invested in coming out. I really liked him and really still do. That breakout that he had a year ago, you know, a lot of us as dynasty owners, kindly, it was, we were validated that that was the guy that we signed up for. He did sign that extension in the off season, Ryan. So he is going to be in Cincinnati for the next few years. Uh, That takes him there through 2022, I believe. It, it really, I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. We're probably not going to have uh, Andy Dalton back next season. We're probably going to have a very highly drafted rookie in there next season. You and I and, and Matt as well, we've all said over the years that it's hard to trust anybody in Cincinnati. Are you willing to get over that for, for a guy like Tyler Boyd if you get a good enough discount? Yeah, I think so, because I, I think even with a rookie or, you know, if they sign one of these um, short-term bridge quarterbacks, who, whoever it might be, I think Boyd's going to be the only show in town. I mean, we expect A.J. Green to be gone. He is a free agent following this season. Uh, they they can't seem to really get the running game going. Hopefully that will improve next year. But I, I do think Boyd will be easily the top target on that team in 2020. Matt, why don't you make a recommendation for the Titans and the Colts? Yeah, I went with Derrick Henry, who has been on a, an actual tear the last three games now. Uh, three weeks ago at Kansas City, 188 yards, two touchdowns. Following week, 159 yards and two touchdowns. This week, 149 yards and a touchdown. Uh, it's it's the time of year where nobody really wants to tackle this gigantic running back, right? Uh, but I think it's I think it's time to go, you guys. I think it's time to get out. He is going to be an unrestricted free agent next year, and regardless of if they bring him back, we've we've had that conversation about running backs once they get their big contract. Uh, the thing that I really dislike about Henry, I mean, I've loved having him on a couple of teams where I haven't been able to move him the last last month or so. Don't get me wrong, but uh, averaging less than two targets a game 
uh, no more than three in any single game this year. So I just I, – I don't know. I, I don't I, – I, it's hard for me to buy in on this offense. I know Henry is really playing well right now. But coming up in the playoffs, I think you can make a case for one more week of Henry if you – again, if you have this trade, led, trade line that doesn't exist and you can trade throughout the playoffs. Then use them this week at Oakland. That's a great matchup. But then you've got uh, Houston and New Orleans coming up. And then – who knows what's going to happen this offseason. I, I don't really want him if he goes somewhere else, and I don't really want him as a Titan next year. So if I can go ahead and get out now for uh, any first, really, I'm taking. He went for a 2020 first multiple times in the trade finder, a first and third ones. He actually went for David Montgomery, uh, Darren Wallen, and a 2021 first. He also went for Calvin Ridley, who I would probably take straight up for him, but somebody threw David Johnson on top and say whatever you will about David Johnson right now. I'm happy to take that uh, swap as well. So I think we can go ahead and ride this wave. Uh, where, where he's he's been really performing for us the last few weeks and go ahead and get out now and be okay with it you know unless you really need him for your playoff run and again a good matchup in week 14 but in week 15 and 16 then if he doesn't get those those targets like he has in all season then we could be pretty upset with starting him in weeks 15 and then 16 in the championship game so it seems like the perfect time to get out on Henry if we can right now yeah, really, it, it's difficult, though, Matt, because those of us that have Henry, we've been riding him, like you kind of mentioned there. He's been a running back one and, and so consistent. It's really crazy. He has only not scored a touchdown in three games. He scored a and, – and he's played 12 games already. So when you add on that four of those games are multi-touchdown games, I know he's not going to help you in PPR leagues – it, it's hard not to hold him through this run. Now, obviously, if you're if you're at the bottom of the standings, you're not going to make the playoffs. You still have the opportunity to deal him. Maybe this is the time to get out, especially if you're going to get that first-round pick. Man, it, it feels to me, Ryan, we should bring you in on this. It feels to me that he's going to have the op- he's going to have a backfield next year, right? And if he has a coaching staff that's willing to feed him the football, he will have the opportunity to do this again, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I agree with Matt, though. I still have the concerns about the limit. It's, it sounds crazy to say the limited ceiling or the limited upside after what he's done for three straight weeks, um, uh, rushing for 140 yards in, in three straight. But it's still there. If you're playing in PPR leagues, that's still a real thing. And I think one of the big differences that I'm seeing this year versus what happened last year when he really came on the last uh, four or five weeks of the season is well, for one thing, he's been, he's been doing it for, uh, pretty consistently all year long, as you, as you both mentioned, but everybody seems to be buying in. Uh, I'm seeing folks in the redraft community, redraft analysts talk about him as a first round, uh, a first round pick in next year's redraft leagues. So I think basically what happened last year after that that big run, it was great. He carried people to championships. And then once the offseason hit, all his value was gone. We never really saw that big spike in value. And I think we're seeing it now, and it's going to carry uh, into the offseason. So I don't think you have to sell him now. I think both of you can kind of have the best of both worlds. Ride him to the playoffs, maybe even to a title game or to a championship. And then I think you'll have an opportunity to sell this offseason. Yeah, it's crazy. That game against Indianapolis on Sunday, I watched it this afternoon, and he was dominant. He looked like a workhorse, 26 carries, 149, and a touchdown, three catches for 17 yards, did lose a fumble. That was a disappointment if you compare it to the last couple of games, or really few games, first time in a month 
in five weeks, really, that he hasn't scored multiple touchdowns. Just nuts. He's been on a tear, as Matt said, and he's a guy that that no matter if you have him yet or or if you're trying to trade for him or, or trade him away, you don't mind putting in your starting lineup if you have a playoff matchup this week. Let's move on to the Redskins and the Panthers. We've talked about Terry McLaurin a couple of times this year's this year, guys. Um, really an interesting case study as far as value goes. Uh really overlooked when it came to rookie drafts, a lot of third round, fourth round, even selections this past off season in those rookie drafts where, where owners took a shot on Terry McLaurin and we've all been pleasantly surprised big numbers. He's uh, definitely outproduced that draft position from this past off season, big games early in the season, multiple uh, hundred yard games scored five touchdowns over the first six weeks of the season, and they had a bye in that stretch. But since then, things have tapered off for sure. Hasn't had more than five catches in a game. Targets have been diminishing as well. The the coaching staff, that change, the change at quarterback now with Dwayne Haskins under center, all these things have kind of contributed to Terry McLaurin disappearing in this offense. This is a run first team. Now they're not putting the ball in the air. They're certainly not pushing it down the field. Ryan McLaurin, just two catches for eight yards on four targets this past Sunday and a disappointment for sure. Considering they're playing Carolina who has given up some big games at the position, other receivers in Washington, Lots of the same, two, three, four catches. Nobody really taking charge. Fellow rookie Kelvin Harmon, three catches for 51 on five targets. He led the team in receiving. Can we take too much from this, Ryan, first of all? And it feels like he's a buy um, for the future, but I think that future includes Dwayne Haskins, which that's a gamble, right? It really is. And, um, you know, we don't – we do these separately as, as the listeners have probably figured out and we choose games. And I think almost every single time this entire season, I've, I've agreed with uh, the players that you all have chosen and, and the takes that you have, but this is one I, I would go the other way. I, I think uh, McLaurin is a pretty clear sell for a lot of the reasons you talked about. He's, I mean, he has struggled over not just the past couple games since since wide receiver, uh, since week six, he's the wide receiver sixty six. Uh, he's basically unusable, um, and, and Dwayne Haskins is not going away. We can certainly expect him to be the starting quarterback at least uh, the majority of next year, and then we'll we'll see if he can get things turned around. But when you look at McLaurin's ADP, and then this is brand new ADP from uh, from this month, we're actually still collecting it. He's being drafted as the 52nd player overall. He's being drafted ahead of David Montgomery, ahead of Tyler Boyd that we just talked about, uh, Hunter Henry, Michael Gallup, Mike Williams, Chris Carson, Mark Andrews, T.Y. Hilton. I mean, it's just crazy to me that because he did this at the beginning of the season, his his first month was uh, where he kind of made his statement, dynasty owners hang on to that. If those three or four strong games that he played uh, in the year were in the middle of the season or, or even more recent. I don't think we would see that value spike. It's what we saw at the beginning of the year. We took it for 
um, you know, for gospel and just to be uh, that he would continue that. And, and he hasn't even come close. If you can sell anywhere close to uh, what that ADP shows us, then I certainly would. The trade finder shows him going for a second in multiple, multiple leagues. Are you dealing him for a second? No. Uh, um, so maybe this is, I haven't looked at the trade finder on him lately. Maybe this is one where ADP and, and actual trades that are going down disagree. I, I, I don't think I would, I don't think I would sell for a second, but I don't think I would buy for a second either, honestly. Yeah, it's a weird one. And, and to be clear, some of those are like Jared Cook and a second deals like that where there's a throw in. There are some other really interesting ones as well. Terry McLaurin straight up for Miles Sanders. That's a slam dunk sell, I guess. Uh, you know, a few of those as well. And McLaurin was thrown in on a deal along with Saquon Barkley for Christian McCaffrey. That seems interesting. McLaurin in a, in a single quarterback league for Breeze and Mark Ingram. Um, you know, there, there's, it's, he's another guy like Matt said earlier, all over the map. Um, I think you'll find guy, buyers and sellers. I'm not sure. Maybe I should have put a question mark after the word buy. Matt, I'm not sure if, what to do with McLaurin. Ryan made some good points. What are your thoughts? I'm fine selling. I, literally any any late first I would take, two seconds I would probably take. He's probably right there, like less than a first, more than a second kind of range. Uh, I think it would take probably two seconds, for maybe a second and third to, to move him. Uh, but, you know, I just don't – like some of these other organizations we've talked about, I, I think yeah. we can be okay if we just avoid all – Washington players like you know what I mean like I, I like the talent but I have no faith that they're going to find a quarterback find some talent to surround him with uh any of that stuff so uh similarly how I feel about Boyd I didn't really talk about Boyd I like the player I, I just don't like the situation I think if I avoid Bengals and I avoid uh Washington and I avoid Miami then I'll, I'll be okay in fantasy and, and you know take whatever decent value I can get for any of those targets and those offenses so I like the talent but I'm okay selling here if you can get uh, uh the upper end of the, those trades you were you were talking about Dan yeah no doubt let's talk a little bit Matt about the Chargers and the Broncos that matchup you had who do we want to talk about here well I, I really didn't want to believe it that Philip Rivers was was washed but I think after this game it's it, it's it's close to close to the time for you to wrap it up Philip uh you know he, he's he just he's such a competitor on the field and you think that this his ability to just you know, lead this team to, to victory when possible is still there. The The competitive spirit is still there, but I'm not sure the arm is still there anymore. Uh, so this isn't for Superflex mainly. I think it's go ahead in time to add Tyrod Taylor if he's not already on our roster. Uh, we, we've seen him be productive in the past. I, I, I remember correctly a few years in DLF ADP when he was back in Buffalo and they were doing him wrong. He was almost up into that, uh, you know, uh, fringe quarterback one range, even in one quarterback league. So uh, I think he has the talent to be successful. They do turn to Tyrod rod taylor uh so it's, it's pretty easy you just go ahead and pick him up in super flex leagues if he's available i'm probably not spending anything on him uh but you know i, I guess you could take this the flip side too if you if, if you have somebody that's still a philip rivers believer go ahead and take this time to get out i know i've made the mistake of buying him uh, later in the seasons here for you know cheap veteran prices uh, and i'm a little bit sad about that right now but taylor seems like a good add to me yeah, that's a savvy move for those in two quarterback and, and super flex leagues. He signed that two year contract uh, this past off season, so by all means, he's the next guy in line. Ryan, you had the Buccaneers and the Jaguars. Who do we have here? Yeah, this is a pretty easy one for me as well. We saw Nick Foles 
uh, struggled to uh, or struggled in the first half of that game. The Jaguars were down big, and at halftime they made the move back to Gardner Minshew. Uh, so I'm I'm certainly trying to add him in a super flex league. I I would assume he's still on a roster. I don't think people gave up on him that quickly in that format. But uh, I'm also adding him in one quarterback leagues. He was he was the quarterback 24 on the week. Of course, he only played the second half. Uh, through 147 yards, one touchdown. Uh, so doubling those numbers, that, that's, that's not always safe, but that would have put him in that low-end QB1 range for the week, and he was already named the starter going forward. So this we've talked about Minshew a lot on this show. Uh, if he's on the waiver wire, no matter the format, I'm uh, I'm trying to get him. And if there's a non-believer out there after he was benched a couple weeks ago and in a super flex league, then I'm trying to buy him while I can. Yeah. Foles looks so bad guys. Three turnovers in that first half. Uh, didn't, didn't show much uh, in the means of accuracy really looked ugly. Uh, Minshew on the other hand had the Minshew thing, you know, everything that we kind of fell in love with early in the season, this threw a lot of gas on the fire as to what to look for, going forward we'll see how it how it plays out seems like Minshew is the leader in the clubhouse going forward uh going into 2020 to be their starter I didn't think that a few weeks ago I'm starting to think maybe I was wrong on that one Matt you had the game of the week for dynasty for fantasy owners for football fans everywhere it was the 49ers and the Ravens entertaining game for sure but if you were an owner of one particular player you were not impressed with his uh performance who do you have here yeah I hate it because I started him in a lot of places but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and buy Marquise Brown if I can Uh, I, I, I really get kind of post Tyreek Hill rookie season feelings about Marquise Brown a little bit. Like we've just really seen the tip of the iceberg. Health is certainly a concern for him. Uh, Brown also has the draft capital uh, uh, behind him. So I, I think he maybe is even a little bit better prospect than Hill at this point in, in both of their careers. Uh, I'm sorry, th- this point where, where Tyreek Hill was at Marquise Brown point in his career, if that makes any sense. Um, so some recent trades that have gone down 2020 second straight up for him. That seems like a slam dunk for me. I know everybody likes DJ Moore. I do too, but I would certainly move him for Marquise Brown and Marlon Mack, who uh, I still think is going to have an amazing Week 16. And then another one, David Montgomery for for Brown in a second. I would like to move off of Montgomery for Brown in a second pretty easily. So uh, I want a piece of this offense kind of like at the end of last season when we wanted to buy up all of the pieces of, of the Kansas City offense. I think we're at that point with the Ravens, too. You could throw uh, Miles Boykin into this. I don't think you can get Lamar uh, Jackson or Mark Andrews anymore. So these two rookie receivers, I think, are where we should be targeting uh, for for a cheap buy and get a piece of this this offense that I think is just going to keep get, getting better and better. So uh, go buy Marquise Brown for, if you can. Yeah, especially if you can do it for a twenty twenty second. I hope that yeah. wasn't a DLF podcast even, listener that that pulled the trigger on that one. Even uh, if it was two point oh one, yeah. Even if it was two oh one, do it. Yeah, give me Brown in that deal for sure. You know, he's been a real Jekyll and Hyde player, uh, certainly up and down, had the two-touchdown game a week ago before this dud this week. Before that, two for 23, then four for 80 in a touchdown, three for 48, then he caught a touchdown the week before that. It was, You know, just the injury, the inconsistency, we got to remember he's so young. And in that offense, like you said, Matt, there the sky is the limit for him. He could be a wider. 
he could be a wide receiver as a wide receiver one, excuse me, as soon as next year and in a consistent player in an offense like that. So a guy we want to buy for sure. I had the Packers and the Giants guys. And, you know, really, this was this was a cursory guy to to throw in there. Um, I, a guy I wanted to talk about. We've kind of glazed over him throughout the season. And it's been been a lot of negative, especially in, in the fantasy community about Saquon Barkley over the last few few weeks and really since the injury earlier this season, doesn't seem himself not getting the full workload like we got used to in his rookie season, hasn't scored a touchdown now in more than a month and, and has those dip, disappointing games over the last handful of weeks. He had that one-yard game, of course, against the Jets, 28-yard game, 17 for 59 two weeks ago, 19 for 83. Yeah, that's all right, but it's Saquon Barkley. We expect a lot more. Only three catches on seven targets for 32 yards against the Packers as well. Ryan, I want to talk to you, both of you guys about this. Saquon Barkley seems like a guy that everybody is going to say, yeah, he's a top one or two guy, one, top three guy going into next year, but those of those of us that own Barkley have seen these disappointing games. Is there a chance that some of those owners are are starting to have a tarnished look of Saquon Barkley? And not that they would give a discount for Barkley, but at least they might be willing to think about moving him going into the offseason. Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, if you think back to where we were a year ago with, with him, uh, he was, he was basically off limits. If, if he was on your roster, you, you didn't really even consider trading him, uh, in the startup drafts. He, he virtually, he went 1.01 in virtually every draft that I saw, um, at least the non superflex leagues. And, and he went 101 in a lot of those as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, he has lost value, uh, at least a little bit. And, but I think I, I think a lot of those players in that range, or not a lot, but more than one player in that range has lost value. I mean, we could say the same about a disappointing season for Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, so of, of those big four running backs, really Christian McCaffrey is, has been the only one that has met or exceeded expectations. He's the 101 in, uh, in, in upcoming startups. And then the conversation starts at two. I, I still think it's either Barkley or uh, if you want to go with Michael Thomas, I think there's a case to be made there. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation for sure. A couple really interesting trades on the trade finder. Somebody sold Darius Geis, Joe Mixon, Juju, and, or, and Juju Smith-Schuster for Saquon Barkley and Corey Davis. We also saw Aaron Jones, Terry McLaurin, and a first for Saquon Barkley. That's a big upgrade for sure. It, it, it at least feels that way. Um, one other one that I wanted to mention, Barkley, Justice Hill, and Terry McLaurin to move up to Christian McCaffrey. It seems like there's deals on both sides of the fence here, Matt. There's times to sell and there's some sometimes to buy, of course. It seems like a time I'm trying to buy Barkley if I can – I'm at least making an offer or sending the email. Hey, do you want to talk about Saquon Barkley? Yeah, last last year this time we were talking like five plus first, which, you know, 
I would say, what, 1% of Dynasty owners have. I'm sure there's some extreme rebuilders out there that have that many firsts to, to pay for. But now, you know, I think someone might listen for three firsts. And if that's the case and, and, and I have that capital to spend, whether it's a couple of players that are worth the first each and, and a pick on top of it, uh, I think it's a great time to go ahead and get him. Like you said, it's just opening up an opportunity to get him. You're not going to get a huge discount over what you would have paid earlier uh, this season, maybe, you know, right around injury time probably could have got around the same price. But people were, you know, thinking he was still going to come back and be this elite producer for the rest of the season. He's just not not doing that right now. He probably came back too early. He's probably Probably still playing hurt. So uh, if you can go out and get him for that three first range now, that's, that's generally the most I'll ever pay for any player is, is that three to, you know, I guess three and a half first if you, if you have to, that kind of range. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's time to do that if you can. And I think he is the locked in as the number two behind Christian McCaffrey at this point. Yeah, I, I feel that way as well. Ryan, you had the Chiefs blowout of the Raiders. Who do we want to highlight here? Yeah, I want to talk about someone who didn't catch a pass in this game, uh, the rookie Miko Hardman. And I just feel like every week that um, that Hardman doesn't uh, doesn't catch a pass or doesn't break a long one for a touchdown, we should take that as a buying opportunity. Uh, Sammy Watkins is most likely gone at the end of this season. Uh, and, th- and that to me, that's just going to open up more opportunity for Hardman uh, to be the second target or I guess the third target along with uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill on that offense. And, and as usual, I want as many pieces uh, of that Chiefs offense as I can get, especially if they're as fast as Miko Hardman. So um, l- looking at some recent trades for him, they're mostly very reasonable. And, and then... <laughs> And then we get a fun one. So it's uh, Miko Hardman and Jordan Aikens for Bo Scarborough and Irv Smith. Uh, Miko Hardman in a fourth for Benny Snell in a second. Miko Hardman and Adrian Peterson for a first rounder. Hardman, uh, let's see, Hardman for Goddard and Shady McCoy. And then Hardman and a fourth rounder for Tyler Lockett. So I think that's kind of where things go off the rails a little bit. But that does show... Uh, how how excited some people are about this guy and and his ADP does as well. He's he's uh, had a, he's had a few long touchdown uh, catches this season and and those have turned into highlight real plays. He's being drafted in the in the sixth round of startups. He's right behind Robert Woods uh, ahead of Sony Michelle, Marquise Brown, uh, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. He's ahead of David Johnson. So I think he's another one that the ADP and, and the actual trades don't agree. And because of that, I would be trading for him uh, before the offseason even gets here. Yeah, that, that was going to be my point there, Ryan. If, if you're going to make a move on Hardman, you need to do it before they move on from any of those other receivers uh, in Kansas City because he's the obvious heir apparent. He's the next guy in line. And if they do move on from Sammy Watkins, which we all expect – that day, Miko Hardman's dynasty owner, he's, uh, dynasty value is going to be. There's going to be a huge light shined on it. His value is going to spike dramatically. So if you can make a move on Hardman, the time is now or as soon as you're able to. Once that trading opens in your league, I had the Rams and the Cardinals guys, and 
this was a tough one to to choose just one player in. Uh, the performance by Robert Woods was so impressive. 13 catches, 172 yards on 19 targets. We've seen games this year where Cooper Cup has gotten that kind of work, that kind of uh, attention from Jared Goff. Finally, Robert Woods comes through with a huge game. He did not get in the end zone, which was a disappointment. It seems like maybe this is a time to think about selling Robert Woods. Maybe he turns this into a nice stretch down down through the end of the season and ends up having a nice finish to the year. He's got a couple tough matchups, Seattle at Dallas, then at San Francisco. So that's not likely if I'm able to trade Robert Woods and can get uh, any kind of spike in, in value for him. I might be doing that. The other guys I wanted to talk about quickly was Tyler Higby seven for one Oh seven and one. I picked up Tyler Higby in a few leagues, had him on my bench in a few leagues and moved him into my starting lineup in all of those leagues because he was playing Arizona, who gives up touchdowns to every tight end they face every single week. That's not going to be the case going forward. I don't think you can get a whole lot for Higby. This is another challenging one, as you said earlier, Ryan. It's going to be tough to turn Tyler Higby into something, and that's even if Gerald Everett is out for a long stretch. Um, I guess the the note on Higby is to change the expectation on him. He's not going to suddenly be the guy because Everett is hurt. Uh, he's not going to put up big numbers throughout the rest of the season. There's still so many targets. He's a guy that you used for one week. Thank you for helping me get into the playoffs. He's probably moving back to your bench for the rest of the year. Yeah, the Woods, the Woods game, and and we like you said, we saw a couple of those from Cup earlier in the year. With that trio of wide receivers there, those type of games are always just really surprising to me. I expect to see some type of balance, and I know Cooks has been uh, hurt. And and Cup has really been kind of taken out of the game for the past uh, the past month or so. So it was it was good to see uh, it was good to see the Rams' offense kind of bounce back. And uh, but but I do think not just with Higby, but maybe with Woods and, and Gurley as well that that was kind of a a tease of a game. And I'm still not sure I'm trusting really any of the Rams players in my lineup. Uh, for the playoffs, which is kind of a weird thing to say after the past two or three years with that team. Yeah, you certainly don't have trust. You certainly don't have trust. Uh, that's the word that you selected there. Uh, Cup was was fine, six for sixty five, and that touchdown in the win for the for the Rams. But really, since that massive game that he had, seven for two twenty and a touchdown against Cincinnati, going into their bye in Week Eight. He's been a disappointment for the most part. There are a lot of people anointing Cooper Cup. It seems like, Matt, they're going to continue to spread things up. You've been a big Cooper Cup fan in the past. Now Woods had his big game. Maybe Cooks does down the stretch if he doesn't get banged up anymore. Who knows? They got that tough schedule that I mentioned, Seattle, Dallas, San Francisco. And then if you play in Week 17, finally a little bit of a break with Arizona once again. What are you doing with all these Rams pass catchers? Well, in terms of the playoff matches, I'm only really afraid of that week 16 against San Francisco. I'm not really afraid of, of Seattle's pass defense or, I mean, Dallas is a little bit stronger, but not, not super afraid of them either. Like if he's my wide receiver three, I'm totally fine starting him there. You know, Woods also had a huge game back in week four against the, the Buccaneers. Again, 13 catches, 164 yards. So I think he's somebody who can have these, these big spike weeks. And, and, and I think more to the point is people just hate Robert Woods. 
Like, like you can't get anything of reasonable value for them. I've tried to get late first. I've tried to get two seconds. It seems like maybe people will buy for mid to late second. And I think for that price, you know, to, to let go of a receiver and an offense that, you know, we, we've, we probably aren't as confident in after the 2019 season. But still, I, I still have faith in McVeigh. He's only going to be 28 uh, entering next season, so still right in those prime production years for wide receiver. He signed through 2021. So uh, I don't know. I guess if, if you can get a first-round pick for him, sure. But otherwise, I, I think I'm probably going to just hold on Woods just because I don't think I can get too much uh, a value for him. Similar to a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, even I know he's a little bit older, uh, but another guy that people just hate and you can't really get enough value out of him to sacrifice the production that you can get from him in your lineup. So uh, I think I'm the other way on Woods uh, unless I can get that first round pick. Yeah. You know, I'm scared of this stretch. I I don't think you're going to get a lot of production out of the the Rams offense. You mentioned that that you're not quite as scared. With Jared Goff at the helm, he has not played well against good defenses. These are good defense coming up. All top 12 against fantasy quarterbacks. Seattle's 12th. Dallas is sixth and San Francisco is second against fantasy quarterbacks. I don't think he's going to distribute the ball, take the big performance in week 13 against Arizona, expect another one in week 17 against Arizona. But in between, I don't have high expectations for this Rams offense in our fantasy playoffs. Let's move on to the Patriots and the Texans, Ryan. They played on Sunday night. Who do you have here? Wow. That was, that was an ugly game. And especially if you're a Patriots fan or, um, I don't know, just, just a fan of this dynasty because it's, it's been said before and, and I know they still have a great record, but this, it just doesn't look like a team that can, uh, that can make it through the playoffs. The the fantasy numbers ended up looking pretty strong for the Patriots. Brady was the quarterback six for the week. Uh, James White just kept catching dump off after dump off, ended up as the RB one. Julian Edelman was the wide receiver 10 when I just think about this team from a dynasty perspective, though, outside of the rookie Nikhil Harry, who I still like a ton, not just none of these players matter. Brady is too old. Um, and I think once he's gone, you know, what do we do with Julian Edelman? I think his, his values basically, uh, basically gone already. And it certainly will be without Brady. I want to sell all of these Patriots, everybody except for Nikhil Harry, uh, it may actually even be too late, but if we can sell high on James White's big week, if we can sell high on on Edelman as a a playoff asset for a uh, for a contender, I'm doing that. We talked about Sony Michelle multiple times uh, this season. Take anything you can get. I sent out I sent out ten Sony Michelle offers this week for Mark Ingram and got rejected in every single one. People hate Michelle. You cannot sell him for anything of value. I don't think. Yeah, it's so frustrating. I tried to sell him in the two spots that I have him as well, and I, you can't get anything of, of any kind of value. We, we, we as dynasty owners have painted such a such a bright picture for everybody else out there that that he's worthless, that he doesn't have a whole lot of value, and unless he goes on one of those tears like we saw last year, Ryan, I wouldn't expect that to change going into this coming off season. No, no, I don't. I don't either. We talked about uh, when we talked about him last, I pointed out that he was still the RB 24 in our dynasty ADP. Uh, That has changed. He's um, I I think I mentioned him earlier. He's now being drafted behind me, Cole Hardman, who we just talked about. He's he is at uh, 68 overall. So uh, value is, is fading fast for Sony Michelle. 
I don't know if you can even get a second rounder for this guy. What about Harris? Are we still buying Harris? Are you going to take whatever you can get for him too, Ryan? I know you're a big fan like the other two of us. Uh, what, what do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, I still I still like the talent. Um, you have to – well, I think you have to like the situation. Um, though, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I think we, we could be in for a change here uh, in the, the coming months. But, I mean, he's he's lost value. He hasn't gotten a chance really at, at all this year. I'm really surprised he hasn't given Sony struggles. But, yeah, I would, I would still be buying him. Matt, we have one more game to cover. That's the Browns and the Steelers, and you're going to revisit another highly valued dynasty commodity in this one. Yeah, I think the last couple of weeks I've recommended buying Najoku and, and Jarvis Landry, and now it's time for Odell Beckham Jr. You know, this is a guy who was the 1.01 for, for several years, and his value just isn't there anymore. After in the trade finder, he's gone for a single 2021st a couple of times, a first and a second, also a reasonable price a couple of times. Uh, Sterling Shepard, a 2021 first and second. Debo Samuels in a 2020 second. Todd Gurley straight up. So if these are the prices we can get for OBJ right now, or, or sorry, for, buy OBJ for right now, I'm willing to bet on that talent that this offense comes together. Uh, obviously, we were we were way too excited about him uh, at the in the off season before the season, and we we really thought that this offense was going to take off and they've had some good games here and there mostly against poor defenses uh but you know i I still have faith that this team is going to come together it's just too talented not to and we know what obj can do uh when when everything is firing for him i mean again we can pull up the old excuses of what he did with eli manning and baker mayfield's a better than quarterback than eli manning and all that uh but i really do still have faith in him so these prices seem like to me like it honestly makes me want to say that obj is the best buy in all of dynasty right now can you guys think of a, a better one hmm, not off the top of my head I, I think he's a nice buy to that point though i feel like the browns in general might be might be good buys and, and like you said you've mentioned Najoku and you've mentioned uh jarvis landry here in the last few weeks that that their value is gonna spike over the next handful of weeks they've got cincinnati in week 14 they go to Arizona in week 15. Both of those teams just leak fantasy points to all offensive positions. Tough game against Baltimore in week 16, but then in week 17, they get Cincinnati once again. It seems like the Browns are set up to have a nice finish to the regular season, Ryan. There's there's points to be had for sure. These guys are all probably going to add to their value going into our offseason. Yeah, I really think they will. I think... Um, that's what happens in the off season. The young play, we see these young players gain value. We see these trendy offenses gain value. And, and despite their overall struggles, uh, this season, I, I think all of the Browns, all of those key players are going to see a value gain in the off season. Uh, Beckham is just barely hanging on to that spot as a first round, uh, startup pick in our latest ADP. He is actually tied with Juju Smith-Schuster for the 1.12 spot. So depending on how you want to look at that, one of those guys is the 112, and one of them uh, is falling out of the first round. And uh, either way, that's a major surprise uh, from what we would have expected coming into the season. 
I want to pick 112 in startups and have both of those guys. Then. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice start, no doubt. So that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Thanks for listening. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. We'll catch you again next week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast.